We'll just edit this later. Just chop it. Welcome back to Miss Radio. This is Gabe. Last week, I sat down with Charles Schrammel. He is the general manager of Sanctuary Rock Gym. Sanctuary is the only rock climbing gym on the Monterey Peninsula. It's a great place to go for a mental and physical workout, and it's also a great place to bring some friends and solve some problems together. Uh, get each other up the wall or fall off of it together and laugh about it. Uh, go get a beer afterward, and really it's, a, it's become an institution for the peninsula, to say the least. And we talked about that, Charles and I, but the real reason I sat down with him is because there was a chance... For a little while there that sanctuary was going to have to shutter its doors at the very beginning of february and find a new location this is because the orozco group a developer in the area wants to replace most of the development on which sanctuary finds itself with housing and hotels so this isn't really a terrible thing in and of itself monterey peninsula definitely needs more housing especially multifamily housing uh, so the Orozco Group is going to put in over 400 multifamily housing units and also over 200 rooms worth of hotel. However, it would have forced Sanctuary to move. Um, I wanted to talk to Charles about his experience working with the city and the developer, and also the way that Sand City and the rest of Monterey reacted to the possibility Sanctuary would have to close without really having anywhere to go. It's a really interesting intersection of you know, public policy going on with the city, the development, and the business aspect of this whole interaction that Charles was witness to and part of. So I think it'll be really interesting to anybody studying public policy and business and the way that a city has to cope with, you know, who gets caught up in between when competing interests are at play. Alright, without any further ado, here is Charles Schrammel, manager of Sanctuary Rock Gym. First of all, I thought you were the owner. No, a lot of people do. Yeah, and then I looked online, I know it's Spike. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, founded in 1996. I'm aware that he brought it here because he was tired of driving up to Santa Cruz. Yeah. Um, and that's a big, big deal about Sanctuary Rock Gym. Yeah. It's the only place in Monterey. It's the only place within a, what, half hour, 45 minute drive? 45 minutes is usually yeah. what we say for the, the nearest uh, indoor climbing. So, Charles Schrimm, if I'm yep. pronouncing that right, yeah. how yeah. did you happen to become the manager here? Uh, weird confluence of events. So, this started as a part time job in college. I started working here in August of 04. And I'd climbed here for about a year, and I was constantly bugging the manager back then and the owner about getting a job. And after a year, he finally said yes. And, the follow and so I worked part-time for about a year. The following summer, the manager who was here was fired for theft. Oh, shit. <laughs> and so I took over the job, and I've been yeah. the manager ever since. Okay. So you're the reason why they have that sign posted out, no, we're not hiring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. Sense. Okay. We so are that, not hiring. That's been out there. <laughs> it's discouraged me. No, I'm not that serious about rock climbing yet. But how yeah. do you get serious enough about rock climbing to be the guy? Who, do you set routes here? I set routes. Yeah. I guide outside. I hire and fire staff as needed. Thankfully, not the firing side. We haven't had to fire anybody in 
14 years. That says a lot. Which is quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scheduling uh, groups, outreach to community partners, um, logistical stuff for our coaching, for our youth training, all those kinds of things run through me. So we're like. But how do you learn to set these things? I mean, is that there's no certification? There is actually is now. There? Yeah. Right. So okay. the the past fifteen or so years have seen a huge change in how climbing gyms operate. Like we're still very much a throwback. We're kind of a clubhouse. We're we're fun. We're you know a little snobby, but by and large, we're we're more of a family and a community hub. What does snobby mean in this context? Oh, there's a kind of running joke that, you know, we look down on climbers that are less than us kind of a thing. And it's, it's a, it's a tongue in cheek thing here. You know, there's definitely in any sport, be it surfing or golf or uh, now climbing, anything like that, you're going to have kind of the local quote unquote local vibe. And so we kind of foment it in a tongue in cheek way. But I very much want everyone to feel accepted here. I want everybody to try climbing. I want everybody to feel like it's approachable uh, because we not only earn our income from it, but it's a great thing to share with people. It's a very positive activity for not only your body, but your mind, for the community around you. And if you look around the gym, it's not like you go to a driving range and you're one person in a row firing golf balls or you go to a tennis court and stand across from somebody firing tennis balls climbing happens with everyone interacting regardless of their level of ability you can have a very basic climber and a very advanced climber climbing very close to each other sharing ideas learning from one another approaching thing you know learning to approach things so uh, as far as the snobby aspect it's more of a an old joke at this point but um, I get a little bit of the snark in like the labels on the roots and yeah. you know that I feel like that's yeah there's a bit of sarcasm friend, into and it and that's okay I think people probably enjoy that cause yeah there's a little more character to smaller gyms uh, because we cultivate such a loyal uh, community base mm. bigger gyms have huge overhead and budgets to run because they're you know mm-hmm. operating on a much grander scale. So there's a little bit of the personality lost in the same way that you would lose the personality going from a local drugstore in a town of 5,000 people to a Walgreens. Yeah. uh, Where you lose that personal touch. See, I read it's 7,000 square feet, right? That's pretty small. Yeah, they're about. The trade-off for not having all that space is you get that more yeah you get a personal touch personal touch exactly exactly we i can from behind the counter see 95 percent of the gym and because of our size with a couple exceptions i know the names and face of every person who walks in the door that says a lot i mean people like it where you there's that show i think where everyone knows your name cheers yep that's yeah I've, i've used that line quite a bit so, because they talk about the open environment that you've created here. Yeah. That, that's the line in the MC Weekly. Yeah, and that's, Nick Corey gave us that. Yeah, yeah exactly. We try, and, we try and be accommodating to anybody who walks in the door who wants to try it. Right. And I think it was clear in that city council meeting last April that mm-hmm. this place is more than just an open environment where you can go get a good workout. Right. And hang out with your friends. It's actually a local institution yep. at this point. Yes. It's been around for over 20 years. Yes. Um, 
so when this, when did this come onto your radar, this project, the South of Tioga project? So it actually goes back 20 plus years. When the gym was originally built, there was rumblings of, we want to do this to this industrial area that hasn't seen a lot of use since the 80s. I mean, we have an old fish cannery, like a stone's throw from the back of the building and uh, uh, kind of decommissioned um, waste disposal area. And But within all that, people have, you know, started renting how there's a house you know a couple houses within there uh, maintenance yards for uh, construction companies um, and then some random artists and some random other companies that use the warehouse space are all kind of built into it so the original developer that started buying up all the property the Orozco group uh, has been planning to do this for quite some time but it was such a, a jumble of, of circumstances we didn't really, it wasn't on our radar. And then a couple of years ago, they started to actually say, yes, we're gonna start doing this, yeah. we're looking at this. And then we started seeing engineers around the neighborhood taking measurements. And then uh, an actual plan started coming out, which the city had uh, to run through a design committee and then run through feasibility studies, environmental mm -hmm. review yeah. and all of that. Um, so it's been a long time coming, which is something that the developer has kind of reminded us when we say, hey, we're out of time, you know, we, yeah. we don't know what we're going to do right now, is the developer has said, you know, you've known about this for a really long time. And on our end, it was more like, yeah, we knew about it, but for 20 plus years, you didn't do anything. So yeah. forgive well, us for being yeah. surprised by 12 months of rapid movement. Yeah. Um, so it is on our on our end a little bit. Sure. We we bear the blame part of the blame of of being caught kind of with our harness on and our shoes off and our chalk off. Um, but the expectation has also been that we may or may not be involved in it or have some assistance with finding a new location because we need a fairly specific set of circumstances. Right. Large building, high ceilings. We don't need a lot of thrill uh, frills, I should say. Yeah. And we also need fairly low per square foot rent, which around here is a difficult I'm thing sure, to do. Yeah. Well, when this sort of started becoming a reality, I guess within the last, would you say it was the last 12 months or so? I mean. Yeah, it's been the last few years where the conversation's been more active. So how many city council meetings have you attended in that period of time? Uh, I've gone to two or three. Okay. Yeah. In the was the one back in April the first one. The one in April was the main one where it was soliciting public comment specifically about this project, and it was that was kind of a culmination of a few steps they took um, the previous summer at the Sand City West End event, which is a three-day street fair, okay. uh, arts and arts and street fair thing um, that they call the Sand City West End Festival. Uh, and they had looked for public comment, and the, by and large, the responses to the public comment period were that people come to Sand City for art, for post no bills, the the bar, right. and sanctuary rock gym. Yeah, it's a small city. You know, and by granted, they were soliciting these responses at an art festival. You know, they weren't sitting out in front of Costco, uh, asking for why people come to Sand City, but for this area specifically. 
what draws people to this south of Tioga area is art and the gym. And those are those were values. And then when they talked to residents, they found residents not being too excited about having the population of San City go from low 300s to a projected possibility of up to 1,200 people. Right, yeah, this new, what is it? You got 420 multifamily apartments. Right. 216 hotel rooms. So that's, you know. Yeah, if you have. If you tripling have. Tripling the population. Right. If, or more. Whether it's a family of two or a family of four yeah. living in a multifamily apartment, you're going to have an exponential increase in population. And the issue that a lot of us took with the planning and why we were not taking it seriously is the whole conversation was happening about the buildings and demolishing what they're going to demolish and building new stuff and very small, if any, chatter about uh, logistics, about infrastructure. You know, we don't have a single stoplight around this project. There's not a single road that is more than a lane on each direction. Uh, So, yeah, so the project itself isn't just bulldozing existing buildings it's moving entire streets really okay so the east avenue that we're located on will actually be moved up against where the salvation army is about 100 plus feet to the the west essentially so that will be moved to accommodate for the footprint of the apartments and the parking garage that's associated and Salvation Army isn't going anywhere. They own their building. Yeah. So that's staying and is, by reading the plans, that's going to be at the front door of one of the apartment complexes. That's going to cause some issues. Yeah, uh, it's, it's poor planning. <laughs> so the difference between Salvation Army's property and this property, uh, is Spike the owner of this property or is he leasing no. it? No, we've been leasing it. So we, when the gym opened, this property was owned by Ross Roofing. And uh, Dick Ross, and now subsequently his son Mike Ross, have ta- has taken over Ross Roofing. Ross Roofing sold it to the Orozco Group in early 2000, so like five or six, if I remember correctly, four or five, somewhere in there. So the Orozco Group bought it and started kind of cleaning up the neighborhood a little bit, put fences around some lots, tore down some buildings, um, kind of an early preparation for the project. Uh, But then by and large did very little and there was chatter at one point about putting a Costco gas station over Hmm. at the far end of it and that fell under. And so this most recent development seems to have been fairly quickly put together to make use of the property. So I I saw mentioned in one of the articles written about this whole um, this whole development deal that eminent domain was being applied, but it is. Where is that being applied in this equation, as far as like your? The, the it's not goes? being applied to us. Okay, so it's being applied at a different. Part yeah, because we don't own our building or the property. Right. So there's a two, maybe three properties that are still owned um, by their original owner and have not been purchased by the Orozco Group. And I want to say one's a business, one's a house, and then I want to say there's a third, but I'm not entirely certain on it. So as far as you can tell, and it, from what I can tell, this seems to be the case, that everything seems above board. The city's not trying to screw anybody, and if anything, they're trying to help you guys out, giving you this extension. But yeah. I, I want to understand where that's coming from. Are they extending it on behalf of the Orozco Group, saying it's okay, or are they interceding? 
not having an exact answer to that. I want to say based on our our process for asking for more time, first with the Orozco group and then going to the city, I think it's more that the existing businesses in the area all kind of simultaneously said, hey, we need more time. Okay. You know, the, this 90-day notice hit us unexpectedly. We were aware earlier in 2018 that we probably had 12 to 18 months mm -hmm. of available time before the process really got going. And within six months, we were given that 90-day notice. And I think part of the reason for the city stepping in is that 90-day notice was delivered on November 1st. And that's a really, really inconvenient time to get something done. I mean, in theory, you could, but you spend your first couple weeks after you get that notice figuring out where you might want to go, and then Thanksgiving hits. You come back from yeah. Thanksgiving, you're still asking questions. Three and weeks later, it's... It's Christmas and then New Year's. So, um, you know, we've had... We've attempted to make progress on a building and just had those things kind of pushed further back and pushed further back because of the holidays. Mm -hmm. um, ironically enough, this government shutdown is also affecting us because one of the buildings How's we're that? looking at... Uh, one of the buildings we're looking at is uh, partially managed by the Park Service. No kidding. Okay. And they're not doing anything right of now. Of course not. So, you know, there's very little traction being gained right there. I wasn't planning on this becoming a story about the government <laughs> shutdown, but it's funny because people wonder, you know, how far does that reach? It reaches a what long are the impacts? way. Yeah. Um, there are, there are a right lot here. of impacts. And we're getting it because we have... Naval Postgraduate School, Defense Language Institute, those schools aren't just populated by service members who still get a paycheck as long as they're in the Department of Defense, right. but by workers there, instructors, yeah. staff members, all those people who have gone now 25, 24 days without a paycheck yeah. aren't coming in and spending money here. So that that's a real economic, immediate yeah. Yeah, ripple we've, effect. Yeah, yeah I mean, because we got our 90-day notice on November 1st, we immediately stopped selling four-month memberships, annual memberships. Uh, and we started to make accommodations for how we would pay back people who had bought past mm -hmm. what, at the time, we figured was going to be a February 1st termination date. Um, so we've had to scale back our marketing, scale back our, our long-term sales, which cuts hugely into our uh, revenue. I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah so and even your ability to plan for anything. Exactly. So even now with a three-month uh, reprieve, which is great, and we're very grateful. It's really generous. Uh, we're still unable to do any further planning than that, you know. And and with a a, a final termination date, you know, you could sell a three-month membership for a couple days. Yeah. And then you're down to selling a two and a half. You can sell in little blocks, but. It's cut down on things like our, our startup fees for credit processing, credit card transa transactions, and uh, planning groups pa out past those dates. So it's thrown a, a decent stick into the works uh, a lot sooner than we expected. Climbing gym isn't the first thing you think of when it comes to these things, but if no. it makes sense that it eventually reaches this place. Yeah, and the, ir the irony on my more cynical side was when we were we were at that city council meeting uh, last year. The way they were selling this project was uh, using terms like vibrancy and community, mm -hmm. and and the but with pro there's a whole project. Right? Yeah, there's vibrancy a whole project. vibrancy project. 
but a lot of the so-called vibrancy deals more with pushing out the affordable places to rent space or for artists to practice their craft and building fairly anemic buildings that look a lot like San Jose and a lot like just whatever development happens to fall out of somebody's portfolio. There's an interesting uh, dichotomy between wanting to kind of revitalize an area and, and do a little urban renewal and working on it in a way that's not at all got any symbiosis with what attracted people here in the first yeah. place. It's a funky area, you know. Uh, the owner, Spike, lives here in San City. I live here in San City. And until recently, our other manager, Galen, lived in a building owned by the Orozco Group. Oh, no uh, which in two years of living there, his rent went from fifteen hundred a month to almost nineteen hundred a month for a studio. So there, there's a lot of just weird interconnected stuff. So I've been kind of playing with the project idea for the last few months of interviewing business owners around Monterey mm -hmm. and yeah. Monterey Bay and seeing just how, how or whether actually is the better question whether the political climate has affected your business? How and if it has? I would say here at the gym, uh, I think we're a good example of how much of an echo chamber we kind of live in mm. on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, We still, we, we do hit a little diversity because we have uh, service members that come sure. from all different areas of the United States. Um, but by and large, the people that find themselves at DLI and NPS and then at MISS and CSUMB and uh, MPC, any of, the, any of the schools in the area, um, with that level of education comes a little bit more experience. And whether or not you're at one end or another of the political spectrum, um, I feel that the education level of people lends itself to a higher level of discourse. Right. Whether you may or may not agree with each other politically, um, and I have several members that politically we don't agree at all or, you know, whether it's a disagreement based solely on who you voted for or how to best tackle, you know, social services and equities. Um, You've had good I've conversations about that kind of stuff here. Well, that's the kind of the thing is yeah. I feel like here, because we're, we're on this shared ground here in this community, there's a lot less threatening... Uh, atmosphere around it. So even with a political, a, f a fairly uh, polarizing political climate, the people we encounter here at the gym, even when you don't agree, you have that shared love of climbing. And I think that works in a really positive way to break down the barriers you might have to being vulnerable to a discussion. Yeah. Which I think is, po is just positive across the board. I mean, that's just one more thing to, you know, add to the reasons why this place is important. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm, I've been looking at other jobs recently, just kind of wanting to make sure that if we do suddenly close, EMT, EMT I am, tr stuff. I am now a certified wilderness first responder and EM or wilderness EMT On now as well. That. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's becoming apparent, the more I look at other jobs is just how cool this job is. <laughs> Not only because it supports my family, but I have full health insurance. I get to bring my kids to work if I want yeah. to. You know, it's a very, very cool place to work in that it's very compatible with a really, you know, positive set of circumstances to raise people in, to raise kids in, to and 
to interact with people in. That was one of the questions I want to ask you. We can close with that. Um, you you were just about to have your first kid, right, when you started working yes. here? So your family, you, your kids gr literally grew up here. Yeah. How, how do you think that this environment has affected the way that you brought them up or that they were just brought up by the gym? I think their ability to interact with a wide variety of people is unlike I've seen in most other kids. Yeah. They are comfortable talking to, reading the emotions of, uh, and responding to situations. Um, and I have to remind myself of that too, because I still <laughs> want to be a parent, make sure they follow yeah. the rules and all that. But when I really get down to it, like look at the way my kids talk to other children, then talk to other adults, and and what they're able to do, and also just how they're preparing themselves for later on in life is really way ahead of where I was. Even when I was a teenager, I'm not as, uh, you know, I wasn't as comfortable and articulate yeah. as my 13-year-old daughter is. Um, but they've just been able to meet and be exposed to such a great cross-section of society, you know, from other little kids all the way up into our oldest members of 75 you know or so he hasn't ever given us his birthday but <laughs> he's in his mid 70s yeah. he's a retired doctor and you know so he gets this huge spectrum of people to talk to from different racial economic you know educational all the the background differences you can think of um, we work with people with special needs we work with people of you know kind of all backgrounds would be the easiest way to yeah. put it. So they've been able to see that and constantly be exposed to it, which I think is great because if we were just like another family living in Pacific Grove or another family living yeah. in Monterey, uh, the diversity of their experience, I think, would be at a deficit. Well, they get it every day or at least every day that you get to keep them in here. But yeah, I think it just that environment speaks to what this place offers. You know, not just to the members who are here now, but as an attraction to anybody coming through Monterey. This this place belongs here. Yeah, I absolutely point. agree. Um, absolutely agree. The really cool thing too is you. Anybody who's climbed here has, with one or two exceptions, has seen it in all of our employees as well. Mm -hmm. Is everyone who works here is family. Everyone who works here is passionate about the community that they're involved in. You know, it's not just coming to work as like, oh, I'm clocking into my job again. They're coming here as part of a community. So it's Without really great to be get paid for it, <laughs> but it's it's unlike any other job. I just remember in my first, I don't know, I, I, must, have been I must have lived here for three or four weeks, um, mm -hmm. and Steph brought me in here next weekend. Galen invited us out to go climbing up in like Truckee or something. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah. I felt I felt welcomed right away. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I barely knew you guys. Yeah. So and I've heard that from people throughout the years who said that it's one of the things that got them through their time here whether they're just in school for a couple of years or you know they're they're military service members here for a few uh, while is like this is a place that really helps people bridge the gap if they're feeling isolated or feeling yeah. uncomfortable or out of place this kind of environment helps them work through all that stuff. Well, we've got a new term starting at the end of January, new students. I know a ton mm -hmm. of students that miss our members here, or yep. they've at least climbed here a few times. Absolutely. So 
with any luck, they'll hear this when they arrive. <laughs> I hope. And you'll have a few more three-month memberships. I hope. To carry you through. Absolutely. And we'll welcome them. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Charles, thank you very much. Good. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Miss Radio, and thank you to Charles again for sitting for the interview. I learned a lot, and I really enjoyed getting to know the story behind the gym and getting to know why this place means so much to the Monterey Peninsula. Miss students, anybody listening, the gym is going to be open until April 30th of this year. Ideally, they will have a new location secured by the time that date arrives, but you can still climb between now and then. They are still selling memberships. Stop on by. They're in Sand City or look it up at rockgym.com or just Google Sanctuary. You know how it works. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have more Miss Radio coming up soon.